welcome to the weekly wrap podcast by the National Farmers Federation. Here's this week's update. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Weekly Wrap Podcast. My name's Charlie Thomas. I'm the General Manager of Corporate Affairs here at the NFF. And joining me today on the podcast is Kate Denton, our General Manager of Projects and Leadership. G'day, Kate. Hey, Charlie. Thanks for having me on today. It's great to be here. Thanks for joining us. So this week's been Federal Budget Week in Canberra. That's certainly what's been capturing the headlines and um, been dominating most of our agenda here at the NFF, but there have been a couple of other um, key decisions and priorities in the ag policy landscape that we thought we'd fill you in on this afternoon. So just quickly before we get on to the budget, um, obviously the flooding situation has continued to deteriorate in many parts of the country. There's an estimate this week that wheat crops around the Moree area um, are expected to be damaged to the tune of about $150 million. Uh, they're calling the um, the flooding situation possibly the most expensive in recent years, um, and the cost of inputs that have gone into creating crops this year is making that pain more acute for many farmers who are seeing their crops um, get washed away. So uh, us and others are continuing to promote mental health resources for people who are affected by that flooding and, of course, encouraging people to access support from state and federal governments. The government on the weekend just gone made a commitment to sign the methane pledge. So there's been quite a bit of discussion about Australia signing on to this global pledge to reduce emissions, uh, reduce methane emissions by uh, 30%. Australia is now committed to sign that pledge, but before doing so, they've provided the NFF and the agriculture industry some assurances around what that will and won't mean. And they've promised no new taxes, no new restrictions on livestock numbers and uh, no new regulations as a result of signing that pledge. So we uh, will certainly be holding them to account on that one. And announced this week was a delegation of farming and forestry people, speaking of climate change, heading over in about a fortnight's time to COP27 happening in Egypt, uh, the annual get together of um, the nations from around the world and interested stakeholders to plan the pathway forward on emissions reduction and climate change. Uh, agriculture and NFF stakeholders will be joining that event, uh, looking to just inject into the conversation a bit of what agriculture is doing here in Australia to, to um, reduce our emissions and in, adopt new technologies and that sort of thing to, to try and balance that conversation that will be happening over in Egypt in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, so that's the non-budget headline. So we might move now on to the federal budget and just what that contained for agriculture and farmers. Cade and I had the uh, the pleasure or the misfortune, depending on how you look at it, of being in the federal budget lockup uh, earlier this week. Um, got to have a good look through those budget papers, hundreds and hundreds of pages. Um, and so we're going to attempt now to just distill down for you what some of those highlights were. But we might just start with the, the higher level context. Cade, what's your sense of how this budget's been framed by the government, what message they're trying to send and what the economic landscape looks like that they're forecasting for the next couple of years? Thanks, Charlie. So the, the budget was really framed by the government as being um, a bread and butter budget where they sort of focus on sort of getting back to basics and implementing their election priorities and dealing with some of the big challenges that are facing the economy now. Um, and that's that's really a backdrop of high uncertainty and a worsening global economic environment. Um, if you think about the budget as a whole, it's really focused on 
dealing with the big issue of inflation that's in the economy right now and stopping prices from like rising at the really fast rate that we've seen in the last 12 months. So in that context, the budget strategy has really been focused on reducing spending across all departments in the government and trying to return near, near terms to the recent improvements in tax revenue back to the budget to make sure that the deficit's not um, as big as it could be. So the government's really trying to use this approach to reduce the pressure on the economy, ensure fiscal policy and government spending doesn't increase inflation and sets the government up uh, to address long term and the large structural issues across the budget. Um, the big thing for agriculture in that the, the budget sort of outlines is rural exports, uh, which include agricultural products, uh, are expected to gradually decline a little bit over the next two years, but uh, they're expected to remain at really high near record levels, which is really good to see. Although the caveat in that is that the recent flooding that Charlie mentioned um, poses a risk to to those rural exports. Uh, the the other thing is just the the risk that the global economy is facing at the moment. So um, there's potential for a global economic downturn in the next couple of years, especially in sort of the developed premium markets that Australian agriculture exports into. And that so that sets a bit of a risk around price um, available for Australian products and where that that demand looks. But uh, the good thing about Australia is that um, any sort of downturn here or globally will reduce our dollar, making Australian ag exports more competitive um, around the world. So I think that's probably the, the high level element for you, Charlie. Um, but can you tell us about some of the highlights that, from your perspective in the budget? Yeah, I think for me, the um, one of the highlights, and it's a bit of a mixed um, I guess, announcement from the government, but certainly a highlight is biosecurity. So some additional funding going into biosecurity on top of some pretty significant funding that the previous government had already injected into the system. And that's going to go towards um, things like obviously strengthening our biosecurity system and our border measures, particularly with the threat of FMD and LSD very close to our shores. And, you know, a Varroa mite outbreak currently underway in New South Wales that we're trying to contain. Um, but the and, and in addition to that, they've injected quite a significant amount of funding into um, traceability systems. So particularly electronic tagging for sheep and goats, the government have now set in consultation with state and territory ministers a target of getting um, mandatory EIDs in place nationally by the 1st of Jan 2025. Um, and there's about uh, 40 odd million dollars um, committed by the federal government in the budget to make that happen. Um, what it doesn't do though, so and, and people might be familiar with the NFF has for a long time been calling for a more sustainable funding mechanism for biosecurity. So we, you know, and that would take the form of some sort of levy on, um, you know, the people that create biosecurity risk by bringing in goods and passengers and, and people into the country. Um, so what we would like to see some sort of mechanism that can grow with the increased risk. Um, the government said they've come into this into office for, with an election commitment to implement something like that, but we are still waiting for that to come. Um, this budget didn't deliver it, but they are telling us um, that consultation is commencing next week is what the minister said and aiming to have something in place certainly by the next budget in May. So we'll be looking carefully at that. What about you, Kate? What was your highlight? 
Yeah, so the biosecurity was a really big one. The, the the highlight for me was some really positive announcements around connectivity and telecommunications in regional areas. So in this budget, the government's announced a package worth $757 million for a number of programs that look to boost connectivity in regional areas. So that's the Better Connectivity Plan for regional and rural Australia. Um, and then there was also additional funding for current programs there. And so what we're seeing in that is there's um, $30 million for on-farm connectivity to help farmers to get the connectivity they need to really implement uh, ag tech and the productivity enhancing practices that they can have to make sure that they're um, getting better pro product, more productivity and reducing um, imports and impact on the environment, which is really great to see. There's also $20 million for an audit of mobile coverage to help uh, reduce black spots across regional areas and make sure that um, people in regional areas can access telecommunications from their phone and make sure they've got good coverage around the place. And then something that's near and dear to our heart here at the NFF is $6 million for um, ongoing um, operations of the regional tech hub uh, for over three years from 2023. So we're really excited to see that and are really looking forward to a, a positive future for the for the tech hub to, to continue to help people in regional Australia um, get connected and stay connected to the internet. Yeah, no, that's great. And I think for me, if I could add one more highlight, it would probably be in the sort of the climate change and environment space. So um, really importantly, we saw another 1.1, I think just over a billion dollars committed to the National Heritage Trust, um, a really important program that helps NRM groups um, around the country. And traditionally, there's been about 32% of that allocated specifically for agriculture and NRM groups who work with farmers. Um, and that's been continued. So that funding's been extended for another six years, um, that extra billion dollars and 30% of that, so about 300 million will come directly to agriculture for to help farmers improve their environmental performance and um, become more sustainable. So that's fantastic. As well, we saw a whole range of climate change related announcements, um, sort of starting to implement the, the Powering Australia policy that Labor took to the last federal election, um, investing in renewables, redesigning the grid to make it more sustainable, um, and sort of looking at how we sort of partner with, you know, people like farmers um, to, to increase uptake of renewables and make the energy system more sustainable. So I think that was a, you know, a good positive area for the budget this time around. Yeah, um, that's right. And it also, um, it ties in quite well to the the government's an announcement um, and their funding for the establishment of the National Reconstruction Fund. Um, and as part of that, they've committed $500 million to um, food and fibre production and manufacturing in Australia, which is really great to see, to see that we can um, take Australian produce that has really takes advantage of that environmental um, credentials and our low emissions production and turn that and value add that into good products in Australia that we can con consume domestically and export um, across the world to take advantage of the moves um, everywhere towards um, products that are um, have a lowered greenhouse gas footprint, um, have better environmental credentials um, and return more of that value adding dollar back into Australian regional communities. Mm. No, we're big fans of all of that at the NFF. Um, now, it's probably a good segue into infrastructure. So we had the unenviable task of trying to decipher what money had come and gone from the infrastructure budget. Um, but it, I think our overall summation is that it does seem that there is going to be less money available for regional infrastructure overall. There were a couple of key 
um, regional development programs cut that Labor had already flagged that they would cut as part of this budget, so the Building Better Regions Fund being one of those. They have been replaced with two new infrastructure funds. So there's a, uh, now what's, do you have the wording handy, Kate? The, so there the is. Precincts and Partnerships Fund, sorry, I had a complete mental blank there. Um, and the, the important thing about that fund is it's adopting this uh, approach that the NFF's been advocating for for quite some time around place-based um, sort of strategic investment that you know partners with federal state and local government to do really impactful sort of you know game-changing investments in regional areas um, and then there's another fund alongside that uh, around community investment so more around community infrastructure rather than hard infrastructure and across those two funds there's a billion dollars invested but from what we can see that doesn't seem to make up for the the folding of those previous funds that the the previous government had set up yeah, it's uh, it's disappointing to see that, and it's a it's a similar approach that we see in the water infrastructure space as well, where we had um, we had a four point six billion dollars worth of cuts to water infrastructure projects across the board. So that was things like scrapping the five point four billion dollars committed to Hell's Gate Dam uh, in North Queensland, um, and then a a delay of infrastructure projects for Dungowan Dam, Emu Swamp Dam. Wyangala dams um, and the Huendon Irrigation District, which are collectively worth $899 million. Um, so while they may still go ahead, if we have positive business cases come through, it's still um, a delay in some of that water infrastructure that can help up upscale and uh, add a, a more premium to the agricultural production in different parts of the country. Uh, that said, there, there were some positive signs in the water infrastructure space. So, um, we saw um, commitments for the Cairns region and Tasmanian irrigation programs, but they were only worth 278 million over five years. Yeah, so impactful for those areas, of course, but probably not to the scale and certainly not to the funding um, of some of those water projects that got killed. Um, so I guess we're slowly edging in this direction anyway, but the the negative points from the budget, what was what would you call that as a low light, Kate? Um, so the probably the, the the low light for me also touches on the water space, which is around um, funding towards the the option for water buybacks in the Murray-Darling Basin. So even though we know the government committed to this during the election, it's disappointing to see the money in that in the budget. We know that water buybacks have a really a really large impact on regional communities in the Murray-Darling Basin um, and taking water out of the productive pool really risks the the economic future and security of those towns especially in really dry periods uh, when the the irrigated agriculture across horticulture um, and and crops um, can really continue and inject a lot of money into those communities um, through jobs and um, the broader impacts that we know of um, we'll still be working and talking to the government to um, about this policy issue going forward um, but it's always a risk which is disappointing to see mm. That sure is. Um, How about you, Charlie? What do you think is the um, low light for you? Yeah, for me, uh, it would have to be around the labour space. So as everyone knows, we've got a serious labour crisis in <laughs> taking place in our industry and have for a long time. And farmers are crying out for solutions. And, it, you know, we would have loved to have seen a bit of decisive action in this budget 
to help alleviate some of that pressure. Um, instead, what we saw was actually a bit of a setback for farmers. So uh, for those who are familiar with the Pacific Australia Labor Mobility Scheme, the PALM scheme um, that brings in Pacific Island workers um, to work in agriculture, there was an election commitment by the Labor government to fund the travel costs of people coming in under that program. And what we've discovered in the budget is that rather than doing exactly what they said, which is fund the travel costs, they're going to basically underwrite the travel costs. So if there's an issue where, um, so and which means it's a continuation of the existing practice where farmers um, pay the upfront costs and then recoup that um, out of the wages of those workers during their period as an employee. Um, so what the government's saying is that that existing system will continue and if for whatever reason farmers are unable to recoup those costs from the employee, they can then recoup them from the federal government. So it's really not as big a cash injection and not as big an incentive for those to attract more of those workers into the country. Um, and so pretty disappointing to see what we thought was a pretty clear election commitment go down that path. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a disappointing thing to see, but um, it really sort of highlights the the overall view of the budget where we have some positives and some negatives um, mm. for agriculture. No, definitely. <laughs> Well, I think unless you've got anything more, Kate, that's probably a wrap. I mean, there is so much in this budget and, um, you know, we do have more briefing materials available for, for anyone interested. Um, reach out to us at the NFF with your questions about the budget. We're really happy to help you understand what's in there and what wasn't in there. Um, but quickly, Kate, anything else that you think we're forgetting? No, I think that covers it. it would, there's so much in the budget to um, to look at and it's it's a it's a marked change from some of the previous ones where um, it what the budgets weren't as jam packed um, across the board. So it's been an interesting experience for us to looking and tracking where the numbers are going from what's being cut, what's being repurposed, what are the new items and new money. Um, but we've got it all handled for you here at the NFF. So as Charlie mentioned, reach out and we can definitely have that conversation about what's going on. And always a fascinating insight into the the sort of perspective and priorities of a new government, their first budget. So um, very revealing. And we'll uh, look to see what they've got in store for us in the next budget in May. But for now, yeah, that's uh, that's it for us at the Weekly Wrap. Um, thanks, Kate, for joining and for all your work on the budget this week. So um, it's been a busy week and I think we're ready for to call, to call it to an end. Sure. It's been great to be with you today, Charlie. Thanks, thanks for having Kate. me. Thank you for listening to this weekly wrap-up from the National Farmers Federation. For more information about the NFF, visit nff.org.au. Otherwise, stay tuned until next week for the next instalment.